books of Hebrew wisdom literature included the Christian Bible or Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Song or the Song of Solomon. It is generally accepted Solomon wrote the song in younger, his younger days when he was committed to God and was, and was very active. Uh, Proverbs was written in midlife and Ecclesiastes at the end of when in fact he had tried most everything with absolutely no satisfaction. I am using Acts 8.30 and 31 as part of my introduction to provide an appropriate setting. <clears throat> Quote, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. End of quote. <clears throat> Song of Solomon is a book I would recommend reading more than once with the assistance of an extensive footnotes or simple commentary. Keep in mind, this book is part of our Bible. And we are reminded of Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 15, 17. A loving God has given it to us for our benefit and to know him and to live the life he has given us more fully by his rules. It's a book I have avoided reading and studying simply because it openly deals with and makes descriptive references to human sexuality, the cultural ex exploitation of a God-given expression has so warped the subject of sex that it seems unhealthy to talk about it even in the context of marriage. Apparently, the majority of Christendom has the same preference to keep a wide separation between spiritual aspects of the living life with God had provided for us and the physical contributions for, of sex for living that life within his bounds of enjoyment. Ecclesiastes 9.9, quote, Enjoy life with the wife of you, whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and your toil at which you toil under the sun, end quote. It should be noted that in mid-1880s, <clears throat> this song was the book of the Bible that was most preached and most taught in the majority of churches within the United States. At that time, divorce rate was quite low. In 1867, the divorce rate was recorded as less than 5%. God created us to love and to be loved. Love is a sacrificial commitment to the peace, joy, comfort, security, and well-being of another person. Genesis 2, 23 and 24 is specific. Man and woman are to be one flesh. Unfortunately, the world's culture has steadily cheapened the beauty and sanctity of sex between a man and woman to a point that the flame of passion, desire, no matter how base, uh, driven only by hormones, is now called love. Let's look at the Song of Solomon. First, the book is a song of lyrical poetry that continues for the whole length of the book. As we read the book, we must not pass the power of poetic intent and try to write a ring of application out of an allegory. The book comes to life in verse, first chapter, verse two, quote, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine, end quote. Cross reference to Proverbs 5, 19, quote, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe, 
Let her breast fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always with her love, end quote. The Bible leaves nothing out of the human experience is intended as wisdom inside the bonds of marriage. Chapter, first chapter through uh, third chapter uh, is about the courtship. At the close of the section of chapter three, she forcefully urges the Jerusalem girls, the other girls unmarried, to be cautious about the awakening of sexual desire until they can do so within the bonds of marriage. Don't light a match when surrounded by dry brush. God created that powerful engine, but not only to be, but only to be used within the contents of marriage. In chapters five <clears throat> through chapter seven, reluctance and, re and re romance, real life stuff. He comes home from the hard day at the office, but she has a headache. No negative reaction from him. He reacts with tenderness and care for her. He is her friend her intimate companion, a real kingdom man. Chapter 8 to end, permanence and purity. Some suggestions for the unmarried and the deep love and commitment continues. Paul in Ephesians 5, 20 through 31 outlines the one flesh union between man and woman is only a preview of the mystical reunion of Christ and the church. John talks about marriage feast of the Lamb and his, and his bride in Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Having said all of that, there is an alternative approach to the Song of Songs, which should be explored. The book is entitled Union and Communion by the missionary Hudson Taylor and is published by FAI. Uh, their website is faimission.org. It leans on the allegorical interpretation of all the scriptures and conveys a very powerful feeling of the presence of the Lord. It is about Jesus being the husband. I will read Song of Songs again with much greater understanding and appreciation. It is the book read by our Jewish friends at the very last act of Passover celebration. In terms of salvations, there is a great similarity between the Passover and our communion, but that is a subject for another time. What happened to the Christian perspective? Psalm 139 about the majesty of our bodies. 139 says, Praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know them very well. Closing thought. From a human perspective, in my opinion, there is nothing more beautiful, endearing, or long-lasting than marriage modeled by the Song of Songs. <clears throat> uh, scripture. This is uh, from Song of Songs 8. Verses 7 through 8, and I'll use this as a close. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. May the blessings of peace surround you today, and good day.